Now the bulletin says that the series we're in is introducing the Disciple Center, and it says the title of the sermon is Discipleship. Uh, that's the short version. It's really the priority of discipleship. I don't know what happened to the other words, uh, but I'm having uh, interesting times when I cut and paste uh, with my computer. I'll blame it on me, but it should say the priority of discipleship. Um, in this series, we've talked a, a lot about uh, the Disciple Center and why we do things the way we do, why the emphasis that we have is what it is. We've talked about the name, we've talked about being a private congregation, we've talked about being multi-denominational, talked about being liturgical, and two weeks ago, before we did the, uh, uh, the um, Advent and Christmas uh, communion, I talked about the relationship of discipleship and evangelism. And I defined uh, discipleship as a way of life that is comprehensive and encompasses the teaching of a master teacher that is committed to primary disciples who then pass it on to other worthy disciples. And the disciples then continue the teachings of the masters to the generations beyond themselves. And, and our faith is, in, in a very real sense, that kind of a system. Uh, and the Great Commission that said, go and make disciples, was specifically telling the apostles to do that. Not to go and preach the gospel. They were to do that. But they were to make disciples in preparing them to be mature members of this faith and uh, citizens of the kingdom uh, of light that was, that was present and emerging. Evangelism, on the other hand is the proclamation of the good news, that good news that is uh, founded in the book of Isaiah and then uh, connected to virtually every one of the Gospels that we uh, talk about. Uh, that's what the word Gospel means. And that is both the good news that the kingdom is at hand and the good news that the Messiah has come and by His suffering, by His passion, by His death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension, He has now afforded all that the new covenant and the kingdom will be. He is at the right hand of the Father, ready to emerge and establish in fullness the kingdom and the restoration of Israel and the creation. That's the good news. So, do you want to be in that? That's, that's the call of the good news. Now, we sometimes confuse those and think that the most important is evangelism and we can lighten up on discipleship. And that is an inappropriate priority because we have confused priority with sequence. Sequence is the order that something must be done and priority is what is most important. So, for example, when you fill out uh, a contract, the priority is you give them your name and some information. But the most important thing is at the end, you sign the contract. If you sign the contract, that puts it into effect. The putting the information at the beginning is the first order, but it's not the priority. In fact... Uh, they're both necessary, but the, without the, the most 
important one, the signature, the actual commitment, you can have it all filled out for a long time. So, in terms of discipleship and evangelism, evangelism is a call to discipleship, a call to the kingdom, resulting in what we evangelicals tend to call the new birth. But if that's it, you have a problem. Uh, because the goal is to grow up in maturity and become a disciple and then pass that on to the next generation and to converts. So the priority is discipleship, not evangelism. Now this was well understood and still is well understood by the traditional Christian churches. Historically, if you go into those churches, most of what is done as a congregation is discipleship oriented. It's not evangelism oriented. Evangelism, as a general rule, takes place outside of the church, historically. But that changed in the last half of the last century, particularly among evangelicals and Protestants. And I want to explain a little bit of why that happened so that you'll understand those who grew up in the last uh, 40 or 30 years, which is most of you, this shift had already occurred. And the emphasis was on evangelism, not discipleship. But those who grew up before that understood that the emphasis was on discipleship and that evangelism was simply an invitation to come and be a disciple. Now, why did this happen? Well, it happened for many reasons, but I'm going to talk about uh, five of them. And I'm going to talk about five of them briefly because I don't have time to uh, explain it in full detail, though I'm happy to address some of that at the Q&A at the end of the sermon or the Q&A uh, uh, on January 8th. First of all, the modern missions movement that took place in the 1800s placed evangelism as a priority. Drawing off of the scriptures and particularly focusing on the life of Paul, there was a movement uh, towards bringing the gospel to the whole world. Now, this had happened uh, in the life of the Apostle Paul to bring it to the Gentiles. Uh, in, in the traditional churches, historically, there were groups that moved out into new areas like the Franciscans bringing the, the gospel uh, like the Jesuits bringing the gospel. The, the missions was not new, but there was a new modern missions movement that was in some sense the idea that this gospel will be preached in all the kingdom and in all the world and then the end will come. And so it was a means to an end. If we get the gospel to all peoples of the world, then the kingdom will, will take place. It will be the end of this present age. And so there was a major push for the modern mission movement. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with the modern mission's emphasis, but in some sense, it moved from being a part and an extension of the church to being what people call the main thing. Keeping the main thing the main thing. You've heard that. What is keeping the main thing the main thing? Preaching the gospel. Getting people saved. And that notion moved from outside the church 
to inside the church because there was a, a, a number of things that were pulling people away from the church. And so what happened is we moved from an occasional person being called to missions and then leaving everything to bring the gospel to a new place. And those of us who wanted to support that, supporting that, nothing wrong with that, to almost an attitude, you really see this at the Cal Baptist campus among the missiologists, if you're not called to stay, you're called to go. Now the emphasis is on go and preach the gospel. And you have to go somewhere. And if you don't go, you're less spiritual than someone else. Unless you can claim a calling to stay. That's an odd uh, emphasis. So the modern missions movement that I think began as a good, important extension into, uh, of the gospel into the rest of the world. And I'm always, always cracks me up when somebody says, I got to leave Southern California and go into all the world because we have to bring the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. And I say, well, it started in Jerusalem. We are the uttermost parts of the world, right? Uh, now, are there places we need to go? Yes. But, but when that becomes the main thing instead of an important thing within the whole, it, it is an inappropriate emphasis. That happened. The second thing that happened and this one is a little more uh, uh, something that I'm very familiar with, is the parachurch movement became gospel and evangelism oriented. Because in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, the gospel was proclaimed mostly outside of the church, and people were discipled up in the church if they were uh, uh, children of believers, or if somebody got converted, they came into the church and the church was busy about discipling them and maturing them. Uh, what began to happen is some people in the church said, you know, we're not reaching certain groups. We're not reaching the military. We're not reaching certain young people. We're not reaching uh, uh, people who are businessmen. And so Christian businessmen, Youth for Christ, Campus Crusade, the drug addicts need help, Teen Challenge, Navigators, Gideons, putting Bibles, these parachurch organizations became the arms of the church to reach out to groups, specific targeted groups, give them the gospel bring them back into the church for them to be discipled, and then they would go out and reach more. And so the arms of the church, and that's how they describe themselves, parachurch, they weren't the church, they were an extension of the church. They were a public ministry of the churches. Well, as time went on, they separated themselves from the churches and became their own organizations. And as they became their own organizations, they kind of did their own little quick discipleship program. And so you could virtually become a believer and grow up into that ministry without ever darkening the door of a church, except when you were, were raising funds in the church. Now, I know that because I was a Youth for Christ guy. And most of us who were, became believers in Youth for Christ and then went through the system and became leaders in Youth for Christ, 
didn't belong to a church. How can I belong to a church? I'm speaking in churches every Sunday. And I'm speaking in high schools during the week. And so there was, I gather with a few of the believers, but the reality was I had virtually no real church experience in that context. Certainly not discipleship. And may have had a, a, a significant impact on why I went into such a rebellion and problem because the, the discipling growth that I should have gotten, I didn't have. I was put to the task of evangelism almost immediately. It's having babies having babies. So the parachurch movement was so focused on evangelism, thinking the church would do its job, but as it separated from the church, then the discipleship didn't happen. Third uh, issue, the Jesus movement. And uh, some of you know a lot about the Jesus movement, many of you don't. The hippie movement that followed the beatnik movement, all these countercultural movements, uh, had a lot of people that were into jazz, sex, and rock and roll, the beatniks of the 40s and 50s, and then the hippies of the late uh, 60s, early 70s were into sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Right? So it was sex, drugs, and jazz, then sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but it was this counter-culture thing. And it was youth-oriented, don't trust anybody over 30. And they had burned out. And all of a sudden, this group began to come to Jesus. Well, they came to Jesus from a total secular context. And they were anti-establishment. I'm not going to a church. I can worship God under a tree. I can worship God down at the beach. I can worship God in a Jesus van. We can smoke drugs and, 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 and talk about Jesus. There was a mindset that there wasn't a need for the church. And, and it became successful. Everybody was coming to Jesus. And so the Jesus movement was also outside of the context of church. But when they did create churches, they created churches like the Vineyard and churches like um, uh, Calvary Chapel that were not discipleship oriented. They were evangelism oriented. Let's get our friends saved so that they can get out of this terrible life we've been in. These were almost parachurch churches and became the non-denominational churches uh, that we have today. Another movement that happened about this same time grew out of the Pentecostal movement into the charismatic movement. The charismatic movement was Pentecostal theology moving into the mainstream churches. And what began to happen with that notion was the idea of God gifting people. God has gifted me. I've got the gift of evangelism. I've got the gift of prophecy. I've got the gift of, of miracles. I've got the gift of gossip. No, just kidding. I've, I've got all these gifts, right? So now what happens is you don't have to be mature. Just like the Jesus movement that people were a drug addict one day and clean the next day. All you had to do was get saved, discover your gift. No need to grow in grace and in knowledge. You just became a believer with full access to God and full ability to lead. And so the charismatic movement removed the idea of mature elders who had grown up in the faith, had wisdom in the faith, had experience in the faith that would guide. I 
think you need to be careful. The scripture says, God told me to do this. How do you argue with that? You can't argue with that. So the charismatic movement created a leadership that was not elder and wisdom based and scripture based. It was gift based. Now all of these things began to do what happened in the fifth thing is churches because of the youth moving out of the churches, uh, music being more contemporary in these gospel churches, the parachurch framework, the lack of denomination, and the lack of maturity in the people. You began to get churches that were dwindling. And they said, we're losing people. And so they began to change from a disciple center approach to an evangelism center. Then we'll do the crusade like Billy Graham does in a, in a stadium. We'll do that Sunday morning. And so the churches became personality based, that giftedness. They became seeker friendly. We'll drop everything down to the, to the level of the person who's not a believer. And we will get, in the famous words of Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act, we'll get butts in the chairs. And if you watch that movie, you can see exactly what happens. It gets butts in the chairs, but they don't change the people. In fact, the more you become seeker-friendly, the more you become like the people you're seeking, and less do they become like you. And what happened is the churches dropped the idea of discipleship and moved in the idea of worship evangelism. And now there was evangelism everywhere. In the parachurch, in the movements, and in the missions, and in the worship. But discipleship was gone. Just gone. Oh, we kept a little bit. You had a little program Go to 10 lessons, you get a certificate, you're now a disciple. But the idea of lifelong learning the system of the faith was gone. And so, uh, what we began to do was create an adolescent church, an infant church or an adolescent church, where Jesus is fun for kids and Jesus is cool for adolescents. And since adolescents never become adults... The church is trying to make Jesus cool. And so we're always looking for a new thing we can do to make Jesus cool. And then people leave the church. When they have kids, they look for a church. It's got a good program for their kids. Not discipleship. Entertainment. Excitement. Fun. So, the priority of discipleship got lost. And we as a disciple center are trying to re-establish that priority in the congregation. Now, I mentioned two weeks ago that there are three kinds of disciples. And I want to talk about the priorities within discipleship. Particularly as it relates to us as the disciple center. There are three ways to become a disciple in, in historic Judaism and Christianity. One is by birth. Okay. You are born into a Jewish or Christian family. If you're Jewish and male, you're circumcised, then you're dedicated. If you're female, you're named and dedicated. Uh, then you're uh, instructed 
in Torah, you become bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah, uh, and then you move on through that. So, <coughs> excuse me, there's a discipleship from the time of birth straight through. Now, where is that happening? Predominantly in the home. It's supplemented by the synagogue. If you come out of a, Christ, a traditional Christian church, the child is named or christened or baptized or dedicated, depending on the tradition. Then they are instructed or catechized, and then they are confirmed. And then they have been discipled, or at least the basics are in place, and, that, and they now can self-feed and, and cooperate. So if you're born into that, in traditional churches or synagogues, there is a system for that. There isn't a system for that in a free church. In the free church, we do the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. We call it child evangelism. We basically tell kids, you are outside of the faith and you have to come in. Well, how do I come in? Well, you have to realize you're a sinner. Now, this is very difficult for a three or four year old. Okay? Not many of them on the FBI wanted list. So what we have to do is trivialize sin. Small little lie, a taking of a cupcake that will now send you to hell. And Jesus died for you so that you don't have to go to hell, so you accept Jesus and then we'll teach you how he's fun. Okay? Or we let them go out of the church and hope they find their way back. But what we're supposed to do, I believe, is teach them the, what I call the backside of the cross. When the home is meeting, we talk about how the Lord has saved us. This comes out of the Passover, right? The Passover says that the, the, the instructions for the Passover is that the children are to ask questions and the father answers. Why is this night different than all other nights? On this night, the Lord delivered us. Me too, Daddy? Yes, you too. Oh. He's seeing the backside of the, of the Seder, right? He doesn't have to go to Egypt. He now realizes that he and his family have been redeemed. Why do you guys do this? Because the Lord has saved us, our whole household. Me too, Daddy? Yes. As you believe and as you trust that he has done this, you, you are... In other words, our children have to leave the path. They don't have to find the path unless you don't tell them. And a lot of people are not telling their children. And the children are being assimilated. So it's a different structure for children than it is for converts. Converts come from outside. They don't know anything. And they have to be given the gospel and then they have to be instructed. I'm a convert. I never darkened the door of a church until I was about 10. They scared me to death. Uh, I made a profession of faith. I went through a catechism. I, I was confused because I had no home background. And then let it go and then eventually found my way into the parachurch world. Converts have to come in and be completely formed in that sense. Or transformed. And then, of course, there's a third kind of uh, disciple. And that's what is I call remedial. Uh, in some circles, they call them Reverts, uh, not converts, reverts. They have reverted back to the faith. Those are people who left and came back. Uh, but I also talk sometimes about developmentally disabled Christians. 
because I can't use other words, where they just weren't developed the way they were supposed to develop because they weren't trained. And so a lot of their discipleship is missing. Uh, And that group has to be, in some sense, reformed. So a child is formed in spiritual development. A convert is transformed in spiritual development. And a revert or a developmentally disabled believer is reformed. You know, it's damaged, we have to reform it. Those are the three kinds of discipleship. So what's the priority? Which is the most important? Well, the one that's the most important, the first priority of disciples, based on biblical texts, is your children. Not reaching the world for Jesus. And not trying to get your neighbor to come to Jesus. But making sure that your children are instructed in the fear of the Lord. You can find that in Deuteronomy 6. We talked about that uh, last time. You can find that in Ephesians 6. Fathers, bring up your children in the admonition and fear of the Lord. The priority of discipling is your own children. Jesus said to those who listened to him, What if a man gained the whole world and lose his own soul? That's a terrible thing. My question is, what if you gain the whole world to Jesus and lose your own children? So the reality is we have to take the biblical priority seriously. Your children come first in your discipling efforts. Now you can't disciple what you don't know. So the Disciple Center is here to train you, remediate you, so that you can train up your children. We are not here to train up your children. Because we only have them for an hour or two a week. We cannot compete with everything that they need if you're not doing it at home. So if your children don't see you read and open the ark, they're not going to do it. They're not going to want to do it. If your children don't see you struggling with spiritual disciplines, they're not going to do it. If they don't see you struggling with Shabbat, they're not going to do it. If you don't struggle with the holy days, they're not going to do it. They're going to think it's something you go to and watch other people do it. So the focus of our whole framework is that you are Doing this at home, regularly, as consistent as you can, and we're here to help instruct you in how to do it. But we can't do it for you. That is the priority set by God. Not making Jesus fun at home, making Jesus real at home, making God real at home. Um, There needs to be something that the children experience seeing their parents do that so they know this is what we do. This is what our family does. Second priority. Second priority for the Disciple Center is not converts, but remedial disciples. The reason for that is that so many churches now are doing conversion and leaving the children unraised, that we decided that our focus would be our own children, and then helping those who say, I'm in desperate need of discipleship. 
because I was brought to the new birth, but I don't have a clue what's going on. And I've been using the force, and I've been trying to do all the things that work, and they're not working for me. Can you help me? And so as we draw people into this congregation, we're, our first priority is to birth them in, and you're doing well. <laughs> our second priority is to find those who are struggling in their discipleship and say, we have a, we have a place where you can get better at this. Many of us have had to remediate ourselves for our children's sake. And so spiritual formation and spiritual reformation are our primary intent. From time to time, our walk is going to bring us to unbelievers and and there will be conversion. But that's not our focus. Our focus is on raising our children and raising the children of others who have not been raised appropriately. Adoption, if you will. The third priority, which we have the smallest commitment to, is convert discipleship or spiritual transformation of others. We're not opposed to this, but because so many people are doing that. Okay? If you go onto a, a, a city block and there's a bakery and 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 a bakery, you might want to put in a gas station, Right? Or you might want to put something else in. Another bakery is not what you need. We don't need another evangelistic church. What we need are some congregations that will disciple. And we have chosen that that will be our primary uh, congregational ministry. So, we have a smaller commitment because many of our brothers and sisters are engaged in that type of ministry. Often to the neglect of their own children. And to the neglect of those who they convert because they don't do anything with them once they've converted them. So we believe that the reduction of this priority to the third place is necessary. So the Disciple Center believes that discipleship must have a priority over evangelism. Even though evangelism is important, but it's not an end of itself. So... If you are committed to your own competence in discipling and the priority of the discipleship of your children, you're in the right place. If you are thinking that we're going to do it for you, you're in the wrong place. And if you think that that's not important, you're probably in the wrong place. If you are willing to be patient with those who are struggling because their spiritual formation was misdirected, So that they will be very spiritual in one area of their life and just a disaster in another. If you don't have patience with that, you're probably in the wrong place. Because we're trying to remediate people. To remediate somebody, you've got to be patient. Because a person who is remediating is really easily discouraged because of that unevenness in their development. I'll give you an example. I don't know if it helps. But uh, when I was doing a music degree, I wanted a broader understanding of music. I was pretty well trained in music, trained classically, but I, and I read music, but I wanted to read all the clefs and know all the orchestrations and the arranging. So I did an AA in music theory. Uh, and part of that was you had to play the piano. 
Now, I can play almost anything on the bass and most things on the guitar. But on the piano, I was playing this old man. This old man, he played. Right? And I, it was terrible. And it was work. And it was hard. And I hated it. And I couldn't play at my own level of what I thought I should play. So I got all the way up to the last week of the course playing the piano. And I quit the course. And took it the next semester. Thinking I'd have a head start. And I did a little better, but still not to my level. I got two weeks from the end. And the teacher said to me, why did you drop out last time. I said, because this is the level I'm playing. You're well past this class for passing. Because when you are able to do this sport well, but you don't, you haven't learned this one, or you can play this instrument well, but you haven't played this one, there's a tendency to discount it or just go do what you can do and not remediate. And so we have to have great patience with those who are struggling because they're going to default whenever there's pressure into what they can do well. And you know we're all like that. If you don't have patience with people who are limping along in their spiritual life, then maybe you're not in the right place. But if you want to both work on your own limping and help others with theirs, you're in the right spot. Now, if you believe that evangelism is the main thing and the top priority, you're going to be out of place in this congregation. And I don't believe anybody should go into a congregation and say, my goal is to make my priorities the priorities of that congregation. What you do is you find a congregation that has that priority and join them. Uh, But what we're trying to do, hence the name, the Disciple Center, is to disciple our families, disciple those who have missed their discipleship, and where we have the privilege of somebody asking us a reason for our faith and we respond with the gospel and they respond to the gospel to do the transformative discipleship for them. But we're focused always on discipleship. And I'm going to do that until I can't stand here anymore or you can't stand me uh, because I am convinced that that is the greatest need in the body of the Messiah at the present time. And while I'm not suggesting that everybody should do it, somebody has to do it. And I have gifting that will allow that. And you seem to have gifting that will allow that. And that gives us a place in the body of the Messiah to function as a congregation. So, that's my spiel. Let's pray. Father, help us not to...